0: Hi, and welcome to the Burning Ones podcast. Our desire is to see people all around the world burn for one name, Jesus. We pray that you experience the love and power of him through this journey. Thank you for joining us, and may burning witnesses arise. I want to take just a couple of moments to talk to you about Jesus. Yeah. Talk to you about Jesus. If you have a Bible, you can open it to James chapter four. Uh, you can look at James chapter four. We're going to take a look at one verse and kind of use that as a runway, if you would, um, to take off and up and into this one that has called us unto and into himself. The writer of Hebrews in chapter 12, verse 2 says, looking unto Jesus. Right? Unto Jesus. Jesus. It's all about Jesus. A lot of our woes, a lot of our worries, a lot of our entanglements, a lot of our confusions and our conflicts, they would reconcile themselves if we would learn to make everything about Jesus. If we would learn to make everything about Jesus and not about the issues, not about the problems, not about all of the other stuff that so often becomes so urgent and important, it becomes so large, it takes up so much of our attention and our capacity day to day with what it is that we are working with and walking through, it's all really at the end of the day about Jesus, And this is what James is offering as wisdom in chapter 4. James says it this way. Submit yourselves. Right? This is James chapter 4, verse number 7. Submit yourselves. Then therefore to God, resisting the devil, and he will flee from you. Right? Another way to word that, depending on the translation that you may be looking at, would say surrender to God entirely. Give all of yourself to God, and in giving yourself to God, the devil will have to flee from you, because your resisting is not in your fighting. You see, many of us, we exhaust ourselves trying to fight the enemy, trying to flex our spiritual muscles and prove who we are and what we're about Some of us are worrying and wearying ourselves with issues and sinful cycles and temptations and all of the persuasions in this worldly, earthly, fleshly, carnal warfare that the enemy leads us into. He wants us to fight from below and not from above. And so he leads us into these moments where in a fleshly, worldly way, we engage him. When Paul's wisdom is the weapons of our warfare are not worldly. They're not carnal, but they're divine by design to the bringing down, the demolishing entirely, totally doing away with strongholds. Paul says our earthly warfare is not the entanglement that we are to be enticed into enemies making a public spectacle of all of the weapons of the devil and all of his hierarchy in principalities and the powers of the air. Jesus, the son, has laid his life down and has been raised again and is now seated. The Bible says in all authority, in all victory, in all power and majesty, he is restfully joyfully psalms 2 why do the nations rage against your anointed one and it says god sits he is enthroned he is seated and he laughs at all of the devices of the enemy trying to undo or uninstall his desires not only in the earth but also in your heart and in your life and to this james says if you would learn how to surrender your surrender would deal with the direct onslaught of the enemy against you. We find our victory not in our flexing, but in our surrendering, in coming to Jesus, in bringing our life. To Jesus, The writer of Hebrews would have said it this way in chapter 6, approaching the throne of grace in our time of need so that we can actually receive mercy and help for the situations that we are facing. It's coming to Jesus. It was this Jesus that Peter stood up in Acts chapter 2, beginning with verse 37 on the day of Pentecost, and he began to preach. He didn't preach his opinion. He wasn't talking about doctrine. He wasn't simply stating denominationalism and all of this other isms and nonsense. He was talking about Jesus. Paul said, We preach him in Colossians 1. We preach him, a real person, admonishing instructing all men with God's wisdom that they might actually become mature or full in Christ. And it was this Christ in Acts 2 that Peter stood up to declare. And as he did, the Bible says that the hearts of the people were pierced. You see, because something happens at the mention of the name of Jesus. And Peter stood up to preach to the crowd that had gathered that day about Jesus, and at the end, he said, what must we do? Man, if everything that you are saying is true about this man, Jesus, I've got to do something, and he said, repent, and be saved, and be baptized, and receive the gift of the Holy Ghost that's not just for you, but it's for you, into and unto Jesus, and that's what I want to talk to you about this morning. Jesus wants to occupy a greater place in the place of your yes to him. And anything that is resisting surrender, anything that is fighting against the way that you are willfully, joyfully giving yourself to Jesus must be considered and seen correctly as an enemy. Because anything resisting love for Jesus is an enemy in our heart and in our life. Now, you from the very onset of this and from the beginnings might say, well, I don't fall into that category. Well, let's explore and investigate possibly a little deeper to see where we are. Peter says, repent on the day of Pentecost. He didn't say, come and pray my prayer. He said, repent. Because repentance is, yes, a turning from, but it's equally, and I would say more powerfully, what you choose, tense, all for the rest of our life, because repentance is the beckoning. It's the issuing out of this wonderful lover, greater than every other, that says, your heart is beginning to wane in its love for me. Come back. You see, repentance deals with where our anchors are buried and our allegiances have been formed. Jesus in John 17, as he prays, seventeen sixteen, on that great day when the crowd was round about, he prayed and he said, they are not in and of the world. They may be in it, but they are definitely not of it any more than I was of it. You see, our promise is not to be woven into the world, aligned to all of its ways, just learning a new vocabulary that claims a love for this Jesus. Our promise is to become an otherworldly people, that we would be in the world, but not of it, that we would not become proficient in our professionalism of church attendance and Jesus-loving vocabulary, I have zero interest in becoming a professional churchgoer. I want to be a powerful Jesus lover. And this is our promise because he calls us into and unto himself. Peter says, repent of your own way, of your worldly mindset, of your prioritizing, your self-love and all the strategies and the systems that this world attempts to use. To govern its ways. Repent. It's a turning from our own lives. It's a turning from our own wants. Right? This is the writer of Revelation, John the Beloved. He said they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony, not loving their own lives even unto the point of death. In Revelation 12, 11, Right? Some of us, we sing that we'll die for him, but yet we're unwilling to really fully live for him. But yet with our words and our songs and the things we know how to say, we attempt to convince people of this great love that has so gripped us. Peter says, repent. He says, repentance is an absolute denial of yourself, my life, is no longer my own. But now, O Lord, it's to you that I belong. Paul in Galatians 2 says, it's no longer I that live. The I has been completely laid down. It's no longer I that live, but it's Christ in me that Jesus has taken up residency on the inside by the Spirit. And now he's all that I want because he's all that I need. And in my surrendering to him, I have recognized his all sufficiency in me because he is more than enough. And this is why we repent. We repent because we finally see in him what we realize the world will never be able to satisfy. This is why we repent because when we catch a glimpse in him, we understand that there's nothing in me that will ever be able to get the job done because it's not in how proficient I become over time with all of the correct behaviors that approach the things that might look like God. This is not how we define maturity. Maturity is not known in the professionalizing of our godly character, the image that we know how to keep alive. But our maturity is weighed by our dependency. Because you can learn Bible verses and not be dependent on Jesus. You can memorize songs and not have a simple glimpse of his all-sufficiency and a total denial of yourself, your wants, your own ways. Peter says, repent and escape this perverse, dark generation. 1 John 3 tells us that Jesus has been revealed to destroy or to do away with the works of the devil. 1 John 3, 8 in Ephesians 2, 2 and 3, Paul tells us that at one point we were all, we were all sons of disobedience. We were all being influenced by the powers of the air leading us into the gratifying of our lustful, selfish ways. The devil's desire is to get you to follow yourself while trying to look like him rather than fully bringing your life to him, surrendering it all before him and saying, I can't make myself like you. Right? This was the devil's work in Isaiah 14. He said, I will exalt my throne above the God of the heavens. I will make myself to be like God himself. You see, true maturity recognizes there's nothing that I can do in and of myself to make myself more like you. That's why it requires you to become like you. It requires you to be more like you. This is why surrender is so necessary. Jesus said surrender is the place that we begin and not some place that we must agree with along the way. In Matthew 16, he said, if anyone is going to come, first, deny yourself. Self-denial is not some luxury that we agree with along the way. Self-denial is the doorway to discipleship. It's the beginning. It's first. It's his offering. You want to come my way? Coming to me means coming to me and away from yourself because I am everything. And in coming to me, you must understand the terms. Jesus is not trying to work out some contractual agreement. It's a covenant offering. I will give you everything that I am, all that I have, everything that I could ever be to you in my all-sufficiency. I offer it all. But you have to come on my terms. You come on my terms. It's unto this that Peter says we must repent if we really want Jesus. You see, this morning God wants to deal with anything in our hearts that is struggling to have our own way. You see, God wants to deal with anything in our hearts that is not being issued out of the life and the strength and the purpose of Jesus. Because it's unto him that we have come. Jesus, recognizing that he is everything, offers himself. In John chapter 6, verse 35, it would have sounded like this. To all of you that are hungry, come to me, because I am bread. In John 37, he would have stood up on that great day and said, If any among you thirst, come to me, and you will thirst no more. Because once you're satisfied in me, John seven thirty-seven. once you've been satisfied in me, there will be a well of living water that will begin to bubble up on the inside and streams of life and water will begin to flow from within. In Matthew 11, he would have said on that day to all of you that are weary, heavy burdened, sick of trying to fight it out your own way and do it in your own strength, come to me, come to me, and I will give you rest. You see, Jesus is everything. But just because he is everything does not mean that he has become everything to us in a real way. He may be everything theologically, But has he become everything practically? Has he become your all-sufficiency? Has he become the well to you that never runs dry? For the hunger and the the lustful cravings and desires of the natural man, has he become bread to you? For the thirst of the soul, has he become water to you? For the wearying burdens of life and the exhausting cycles of issues, has he become rest to you? Because until this is your reality, we still require more surrender. Because it's through surrender that we apprehend all of what has been made available. Because it's an inheritance, it's a gift. He says, "I will take up residency in you." This is his promise in the opening of Matthew chapter five, verses two and three, with the Sermon on the Mount, or the be attitudes, the attitudes that we are to be. He's opening up his own heart, his own life. He is revealing to the crowd around him, "This is not only what I am like, but this is what I will make you to be like, as I take up residency. On the inside of you. We are a people who are now of the spirit. Who live by the spirit. Who walk in the spirit. And Paul in Galatians 5 and 6 tells us that this life in, of, and by the spirit will no longer as a natural byproduct satisfy the lustful desires of our flesh. He says, I will be myself in you. Come to me. Give your life to me. Give me everything. And as you give me everything, I will give you everything. And as I take up residency, as I actually begin to live on the inside of you, we will form out all of my father's desires, which in Romans 8, 29 tells us that it is to be conformed to the image of his son, Jesus. God wants to make your life more like Jesus. Not by proficiency or professionalism, but through surrender we attain maturity in the conforming of the image of Christ. It requires actually coming to him and laying everything down before him and understanding when I surrender to Jesus... Surrender to Jesus becomes my defense, because the devil has to flee, because there's nothing greater that the devil hates than a heart that is filled with surrender. You understand, it is the thing that he hates about Jesus the most. It's when Jesus ends up on the inside of you, it's the thing that he hates about him, therefore he hates it about you, because the devil understands the word. The devil knows who God is. The devil had a heavenly place before he was cast down into the earth. The devil had a wisdom and a beauty that was compromised, Ezekiel tells us, because he was so consumed with himself. He knows these things. But what he also knows is the one thing that he will not do is surrender to Jesus. But Philippians 2 tells us that Jesus came in the form of a servant to offer his life in obedience unto death on a cross. But that it wasn't just a momentary or an immediate solution. This is eternally the place that he embodies. Surrender is who Jesus is eternally, before, time, after it, all in between it. He says, I will lovingly lay down my life to do the will of the one who called me. It's the thing that the devil hates about jesus his loving joyful surrender to the father james says this is your wisdom you learn how to give more of your life to him and all of what you've been trying to fight off will begin to fall off as you learn how to love him more you see over time if there's anything that we want to grow in it's in our love For Jesus, in our deepening of surrender, in the way that we joyfully, willfully turn more of our heart and life and desires over to God because we realize there is nothing else. There is nothing else. For this world is not our home. But we're living unto another age. We are living unto another age. In all of the immediate, seemingly powerful, stressful cycles that life puts us into, there is one that has promised to give us rest. There is one that has promised to be our freedom. That in coming to Jesus, we no longer just deal with the penalty of sin, but we deal with the desire for it. You see, some of us, if we wouldn't feel bad about the things that we do, we would still do them. (laughs) Because it's not necessarily the thing itself that we feel bad about. It's the way we feel about doing the thing that we know we probably shouldn't be doing. And if we could do away with The consequence or the penalty or the feeling we would still give ourselves because of the desire that is being satisfied by whatever thing that life is offering us to find fulfillment in or from outside of the person of Jesus. And we would still do these things, but the grace of God is so amazing and so wonderful that not only will he not allow you anymore to be satisfied by that, but he's also not just going to deal with the penalty He wants to root out the desire because your maturity, again, is not weighed by professionalism, but by transformation. You are to become something different, and this is where our hope lies. And I'm not like everybody else. You take that for what it's worth. I don't really care. I'm not like everybody else. I am no longer the thing that I was, not because I have grown in the way that I have learned how to suppress it, but God has actually dealt with it and transformed it altogether. It's not that I'm trying to hide it or bury it. It's no longer there. It's gone. He has changed me and transformed me. And not just my desires that I had to learn how to fearfully confront. But because now I have a greater desire for him than anything else, he's dealt with all the desires that dealt with these lower level things. And things that do not belong to him or are being issued out of him is everything that he has confronted in me. Every place in my heart or my life that I was seeking to be satisfied outside of the person of Jesus. When he came into me, he dealt with everything attempting to overwhelm me. Casting off every sinful practice and entanglement, all of the encumbrances as Hebrews would tell us that bind us that hold us captive, a prisoner, to worldly ways, fleshly desires, carnal cravings. All of these attempts get crushed when the weight of his love take up their rightful place on the inside of my heart. And that's why anything this morning that is restricting your love and surrender to Jesus must be seen as an enemy in your life. Because if you have fire on your life from the Holy Ghost for anything, I promise you there is one guaranteed thing that it is for. To burn up anything in your heart that is resisting a greater yes to him. You may speak in tongues, but do you have a yes to him? You may memorize Bible verses and chapters, but where is your heart in the place of its yes to him? We can do all of this other stuff at times without him. But we want him. And I want Jesus. And I want Jesus to deal with in my life all of the ways that the enemy is trying to keep me from him. I need the enemy to crush, or I need Jesus to crush the work of the enemy in my life by way of depression. I need Jesus to crush the weapons of warfare in my life by addiction and bondage and cravings and fleshly longings. I need the love of Jesus in my life to deal with all of what the enemy continues to bring my way. So this morning, if you're dealing with anything that's not coming from him, you see, you can always tell the source by following it back a little bit. Because anything that comes from him will lead you back to him. Right? This is the promise in Colossians. All things are from him, for him, and back to him. Jesus understanding the nature of his own life in John 13 says he knew that he had come from the Father, that the Father had given him all things and authority, and that he was going back to the Father. You can determine the source by just simply tracing it back a little bit. And if it doesn't lead you to him, then it's not from him. If it doesn't lead you into greater surrender to him, it's not from him. If it doesn't lead you into greater dependency on him, then it's not from him. You see, it can be that is dealing with the issue of love and trying to restrict a fuller way of you giving all of yourself to him. This morning by a work of the spirit because it must be by the holy spirit otherwise it'll never last it, it won't last you can only be excited for so long all of the emotionalism fades all of the imagery and the pretense and all of the other stuff it, it fades but what the spirit works in us puts an anchor down for us to have real hope Paul in Romans 5 says we go through trials and praise God for them because they develop perseverance and perseverance turns into proven character and proven character turns into hope and hope never disappoints because the Holy Ghost has been shed abroad in our hearts by the love and the desire of God himself. Man, this morning I want to take a moment to pray and I want to pray that anything that has been operating in your life, that, it, that has been resisting, surrender to Jesus. Surrender yourselves then therefore to God. We need to find a deeper place of surrender. We need to find a greater yes in our hearts to Jesus. That no matter what he says, he is everything. And this morning, if there's anything that you recognize in your own heart that potentially you may need to repent of. Because repentance is anything that causes me to fall out of love with him. This would have been his word to the church in Revelation. Repent. Once you recognize that your heart has grown cold, that you've fallen from your first love, repent. Repent. And do the works you used to do at first. If repentance is anything, it's the joyful offering of our lives to remain and to cultivate consistently a greater love for this one that is everything that has called us into and unto himself. I have no other call this morning except come to Jesus. Thanks again for listening to the podcast today. We pray that it has fanned into flame the love that you have for him. If you would like more information about Burning Ones, you can subscribe to our YouTube channel. Follow us on social media. Visit our website, burningones.org, or download our app.